You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. For some reason, this water is red, and it's pretty flat, isn't it? Just sitting there. It's an unusual sight, red water. And what body of water is this? I don't know, but it looks somewhat placid, right? There are no waves there. There was no red wave, and quite frankly, folks, I am a bit depressed, and I can't believe it. I still can't believe it. Can you believe it? I still cannot believe it what we're going through right now, that this administration, the Biden administration, and the Democrats who support them are somehow in a position where they can gloat about their performance last week. I just don't believe it. I can't believe it. I can't believe we are where we are. I do not believe that America has suddenly become a center-left country. Do you? Do you really? I don't think so. I don't think the country that elected Donald Trump in 2016 is okay with what's happening right now in America. I don't see that. Now, look, this is no reason really to be depressed. You got to look at your own life and things are going okay. Everybody's healthy. And but still, still, hey, I don't want to hear anything about candidate quality. Oh, by the way, you know, Republicans have been saying that all week. If only we had better candidates. John Fetterman, everybody. John Fetterman could not talk. He could not talk, yet he got elected to the United States Senate. I can't believe it. I just can't believe it. And I'm wondering what really happened. No, I'm not accusing anybody of cheating. Not yet. I'm not. But I do have concerns about this new system of voting which America universally adopted almost overnight. Now, does that look safe and secure to you? Everybody knows what she's putting in that ballot box, right? It's a metal ballot box. Hey, the ballots are right here. Nothing secret about that. It's supposed to be confidential. This entire process is supposed to be confidential. You put something in the mail. The mailman knows what it is. Maybe they're curious about what's inside. I don't, uh, I don't trust this. And I'm not the only one, by the way. Jimmy Carter and James Baker, 17 years ago, voiced these very concerns. Now, let's go back to traditional voting. Hmm? Back in, say, well, your entire life. Look at that mailbox. Nice and sturdy and metal and anonymous. Nobody knows what you're putting in there, Right. But now we have these boxes all over the place and everybody knows I think this is dangerous. I do. 
and putting your vote, your precious vote, in an envelope, and everybody knows, and you've got to fill that thing out somewhere. Maybe you've got to fill it out in front of your peers at school, your family. This is so ripe for coercion. This is so ripe for problems, and we see it. We see it. Hey, then they're going to be handed to these people, postal workers. I don't know who they are, but they are handling my vote. I'm actually not okay with that, folks. I really have an issue with that. I think this is taking way too long to count. And some of my votes, your votes, our votes, they're on the floor. They're on the floor. That's democracy on the floor. Remember? Everything they said that we did was a threat to democracy. It's a threat to democracy. Everything, everything actually they're talking about, where they have brought us, I feel like we're losing our democracy. So 17 years ago, I mentioned that presidential commission Jimmy Carter and Secretary of State James Baker. Now, look, I'm no Jimmy Carter fan. I mean, you know, he was a terrible president. And uh, James Baker, he's really tight with the Bushes. But these are two men who have achieved a lot in their lives, right? And it's fascinating to go back and look at that document and their conclusions. What they said about mail-in voting, what they said about early voting, the dangers, the inherent risk. And oh, by the way, even Jimmy Carter liked the idea of voter ID. We put in some very careful constraints to prevent abuse. For instance, these photo ID cards will be free. Secondly, there'll be a wide distribution of them. The states will be required to go around the state to issue these photo ID cards to as many people as possible. Wow. <laughs> CNN, if they got a hold of this, he'd be a threat to democracy. That's Jim Crow with uh, Jim Eagle. What were they? How were they lying exactly about all that? Mail-in voting is very, very problematic. Uh, one of the greatest columnists in all of the land, Michael Goodwin of the New York Post, said today the mail-in ballot thing is a recipe for disaster. It is a recipe for cheating. And we adopted it really quick. Doesn't it kind of make sense how nervous Bill Barr was at one point? Well, this is playing with fire. This is playing with fire. We're a very closely divided country here. And if people have to have confidence in the results of the election and the legitimacy of the government and people trying to change the rules to this to this methodology, which, as a matter of logic, is very open to fraud and coercion, is reckless and dangerous. And the people are playing with fire. And did everything get better in two years? Just right. Everything's better. No. No, everything was thrown together and slapdash, and I do believe done to benefit one party over the other. So back to Jimmy Carter and his friend James Baker. Can you imagine trying to put together a presidential commission now with two white men on it? I mean, there's your problem right there, of course, right? It'll be ripe with systemic racism. But these two men, fine public servants, let's give them that. And this report that has been forgotten, or if it does come to light, oh, no, 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 that's not what they meant. Well, let me tell you what they said. Uh, Vote by mail. It raises concerns about privacy. 
as citizens voting at home may come under pressure to vote for certain candidates, and it increases the risk of fraud. Hmm. That's pretty significant. Vote by mail is, however, likely to increase the risks of fraud and of contested elections in other states where the population is more mobile, where there is some history of troubled elections, or where the safeguards for ballot integrity are weaker. Now, in one case, they pointed out, again, this is all from this report, the authorities lacked and lack an effective system to track the number of ballots sent or returned. Now, some states may have that. A lot don't. In fact, I think most don't. Do they track it like FedEx does? No, I don't think we're there yet. Do you? And oh, by the way, when it comes to early voting, how about this? The evidence on early voting is similar to that of vote by mail. Um, There are drawbacks. It allows a significant portion of voters to cast their ballot before they have all the information that will become available to the rest of the electorate. Crucial information about candidates may emerge in the final weeks and even days of an election campaign. Early and convenience voting also detracts from the collective expression of citizenship that takes place on Election Day. Moreover, the cost of administering elections and of running campaigns tends to increase when early and mail-in voting is conducted in addition to balloting on Election Day. This is interesting. Early voting should commence no earlier than 15 days prior to the election so that all voters will cast their ballots on the basis of largely comparable information about the candidates and the issues. Pennsylvania, we mentioned Fetterman. How long before the election did the voting start? 15 days? No, 50. Five, zero. It's almost two months, right? I mean... This is pretty insane, but democracy called for it, right? Democracy. I don't know about that. And how many races are still outstanding? How many? It's a week later almost. (laughs) More than that. There are all these races, 20 House races, two Senate races, a governor's race. Still couldn't figure it out. And I notice that the longer it goes, they all seem to favor Democrats, don't they, huh? You know those guys with the boards and they're always updating them? Notice how they always seem to be updated as it gets further from Election Day? We got a big dump of vote in from Washoe County. This is the Reno area here. We got nearly 20,000 votes in. And they actually favored the Democrat, Catherine Cortez Masto, by a wide margin. The bottom line is every update we're getting from Clark County is only building, is only helping Cortez Masto. We got a big batch of more, about 75,000 votes, many of them that exact type of ballot I'm describing. And not only did Blake Masters uh, not do as well as expected, Mark Kelly. Kelly actually carried them. Mark Kelly actually won more votes, significantly more votes from that batch than Blake Masters did. Notice anything, right? Huh? It always seems to go their way the longer it goes. And maybe that's how the people voted. I'm sure it is. I'm sure it is, right? We're going to have John Fondon in a little bit. He's an expert on all these election issues, and uh, it's going to be worthwhile talking to him. He's one of the top experts in the world on this. Hey, something else I've been hearing. Republicans, well, they were too negative on Joe Biden. Just too negative on Joe Biden. You need to be for something, not against something. For something. Positivity. These are really positive people here. 
you can't just be against something, you have to be for something. And so a lot of these candidates in the final days, they, they should be able to, to reflect that. People see right through this BS and this division. And again, it's about being for something, giving people to come out something uh, to come out for rather than uh, to continue to be so cynical and negative and divisive. What a silly game of semantics, right? Number one, midterm elections are referendums up or down on the incumbent administration. That's how it's always been. But you want to be for something? I'm for something. I'm for lots of things. You know what I'm for? Secure borders. Okay. We could put this, uh, we could put this in a couple of ways, right? We can be against illegal immigration or for secure borders. That's semantics. Either way, I do believe the Republicans win on this issue. How about this? I'm for winning wars, not losing them. Hey, you know what? We're not selling cereal boxes here. Don't tell me the semantics were wrong. There was nothing wrong with Republican messaging in this election. Hey, gas prices, that's suddenly a non-issue, I guess, huh? A non-issue? Hey, how about this? I'm for unity. Not Joe Biden. Remember that horrible speech he gave in Philadelphia? We can go on and on like this. I am for children. I am against drag queens reading to them. This is, this is a big deal, everybody. And I'm also for straight talk from the administration when it comes to our children and issues of gender and adults talking to them when we don't want to about gender. Rachel Levine is a senior member of this administration. And you know what? I don't want her messing with kids. Neither do you. Neither does anybody. This is their record. And the American people just ratified it. I, I have my doubts. Do you remember what happened? I'm alarmed that you won't say with certainty that minors should not have the ability to make the decision to take hormones that will affect them for the rest of their life. Will you make a more firm decision on whether or not minors should be involved in these decisions? Senator, uh, transgender medicine is a very complex and nuanced field. Uh, and if confirmed to the position of Assistant Secretary of Health, I would certainly be pleased to come to your office and talk with you and your staff about the standards of care and the complexity of this field. Whatever, Richard. I mean, Rachel, what was that? What was that? This is the Biden administration's position. She is actively pursuing and advocating for gender reassignment surgery, the federal government being involved in it for children. This is insanity. And I really do have my doubts and concerns about how this election was conducted, because I don't think unless it's center left, unless the country that voted for Donald Trump in 2016 is suddenly like this. And is suddenly okay with Ukraine being invaded by Russia because everybody knows in the United States that this would not have happened with Donald Trump. And by the way, who's been talking about these issues more than any Republican out there, more effectively than any Republican out there? Yes, him. Absolutely. And it wasn't just like Barack Obama parachuting in two days before the uh, election. I wonder why he did that, by the way. Hmm? I mean, Obama never breaks a sweat for everybody. He must have been really, really confident that his people were going to win those races. He was out there doing it all over the place. And, of course, the Republicans, now that, now that it's over, the midterms, they're going to blame him. And I'm talking about, you know, the establishment, the Republicans that I don't like. And one of them, he perhaps is the most representative of them all, Chris Christie the self-serving former governor of New Jersey. 
famous for Bridgegate, of course. If you're going to go for the Trump style stuff in terms of the rhetoric, in terms of the conduct, um, those kind of things, and certainly the election tonight, we're not going to vote for you. I think what Republicans came to grips with Tuesday night was we're tired of losing and we're tired of Donald Trump dragging us to lose because of his personal vanity. <laughs> I have seen some hypocrites in my day, but this has got to be the hippiest hypocrite I have ever seen. He is offended by Donald Trump's rhetoric and conduct. Oh, boy. I've been around long enough. I saw this guy in action when he was feeling all important when he was the governor. Take a look. On Monday, are you going to be uh, addressing the legislature? Did I say on topic? Are you, are you stupid? On topic. On topic. Next question. Good. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you all very much. And I'm sorry for the idiot over there. Wow. Kinder, gentler. Get along. That was pretty harsh, wasn't it? Huh? And um, how about this? He likes to get in people's faces. If you say the wrong thing to him, he's going to get in your face. Now, I notice he only does this when state troopers are around or uh, bodyguards or, you know, security he can call. But on his own, he's, uh, he's not that tough. He is not that tough. And did he say something about vanity? Did I hear him say something? Yes, he cited Donald Trump's vanity. Uh, we're tired of losing, and we're tired of Donald Trump dragging us to lose because of his personal vanities. This guy is probably the most conceited, weirdest man alive. Who remembers Hurricane Sandy? Horrible thing that happened to uh, this part of the country. I mean, just a devastating storm. It was awful. But for Chris Christie, it was a vehicle for celebrity. He actually put himself in a commercial about this storm. Of course the Jersey Shore is open. It's like the word is spreading. We're stronger than the storm. It opened for everyone. It was the stupidest eye roll campaign ever. And it came under federal election. You can't do that. You can't do something like that. You got <laughs> so offensive. All right. Look, I don't know what to make of this thing yet. I still can't believe it. There are some people, though, who need to be called out. We've done a little bit so far. Next up, Mike Pence. Talk about self-serving and self-righteous. Now, there are some gems out there and some heroes. Josh Hawley, Senator Josh Hawley from Missouri, I like him. He's a patriot, and he's talking about starting potentially a new party, and I want him to hear all about it. Stay with us. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with lips and ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L-I-B-S-Y-N-Ads.com. Well, this is Mike Pence, and he just came out with a book. And full disclosure, his book publisher is my book publisher. <laughs> no joke. Uh, so I'm still going to criticize him and his book as soon as I get my hands on it. Because so far, wow, the nerve of this guy. And he gets it all wrong. He gets it all wrong. So he's going all over the fake news lately to, uh, you know, tell them what they want to hear. Donald Trump 
was a threat. And I did everything in my power to all that stuff. We've heard it before, but now he's selling a book. Members were barricaded inside the House chamber. Mm -hmm. And in the middle of it all, you can see that the president has tweeted. 2.24 p.m., the president tweets Mike Pence didn't have the courage to do what should have been done. He's thinking about his answer. It takes a long time. It angered me. But I turned to my daughter who was standing nearby and I said, it doesn't take courage to break the law. It takes courage to uphold the law. I mean, the president's words were reckless. It was clear he decided to be part of the problem. How profound. Did he really say that to his daughter? Did he really? I don't know. I don't know. I'm not buying it. I just don't buy it. And oh, by the way, the president was totally entitled. Vice presidents and presidents disagree. They do. It's okay. Uh, FDR's vice president ran against him for the nomination. It happens, Mike. Next. Over the course of several hours, you spoke with the acting defense secretary. You spoke with the joint chiefs of staff, General Milley. I did. You spoke with the acting attorney general, Jeff Rosen, with the chief of Capitol Police. Where was the president in all this? David, I was at the Capitol. I wasn't at the White House. And when you learned later that he was watching all this unfold on TV? I can't, I can't account for what the president was doing that day. I was at a loading dock in the Capitol where a riot was taking place. But why wasn't he making these calls? Um, that'd be a good question for him. I've got a question for you. You're calling Jeff Rosen at the FBI. You're calling the Pentagon. You're calling the Capitol Police. Why didn't you call the president of the United States? Hmm? Well, number one, the government doesn't work that way, by the way. The president is not a security guard. And actually, even if he was watching on TV, and I don't think he was, he usually reviews television at night on TiVo, I don't think he would have seen all that much. Of course, the hysteria, the anchors, they were trying to gin things up. I mean, literally. This is the United States of America, and we're watching protesters try to undermine the course of an election, a constitutional process, through force? By storming the United look, States look at, Capitol? Look at that. That is outside. Jake, I'm sorry to interrupt, but look at those pictures. Have you ever seen anything like that? I mean, these, these are protesters outside on the steps of the Capitol. They're physically in there. Well, it's a fitting end to an era that has been characterized by lawlessness. Wow, they are uh, kind of really bothered by these images. I'm not actually, and I'm going to do an interesting experiment in a moment, but here's a little bit more from January 6th and the fake news. This is basically taking over, storming the Capitol in, 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 in a, in a, it's anarchy. It really is anarchy. And the president has encouraged this time and time again, and they are stopping the constitutional peaceful transfer of power. Wow. Anarchy, a coup, all that, the language, right? So what I'm going to do, what we're going to do is turn the volume down and we're going to watch the same clips. And you might get the sense, based on what you've seen and what you've heard, that they're exaggerating and trying to create something. 
Hmm. Okay. I don't see any violence, do you? Hmm. And here's another shot again of the front of the Capitol in a moment. Is that a riot? No, it's not. We saw Black Lives Matter on television. We know what riots look like. How about the, uh, the next clip that was anchored by, I think her name is Dana Bash. She's the one who said, this is a coup, this is anarchy. Let's watch this. I don't see anarchy. I don't see a coup. But they really wanted one, didn't they? Those anchors. They wanted to cancel Trump. And you've seen, if you've been watching this show, the clips of how they let those folks in. That's, a, that's another discussion. I'll, take, I'll tackle that uh, later in the show. Huh. Isn't that fat? Mike Pence... You have an opportunity to actually shed real light on what happened on January 6th. Instead, you're going with this nonsense, and we've heard it all before. I'll read your book, but unfortunately, it looks like it's fake news. Okay, on to Josh Hawley, Republican of Missouri. This guy is fantastic. Um, He said something very interesting over the weekend. I'll get to that in a moment, but uh, this is one of his best moments. Professor Bridges, you said several times, you've used a phrase, I want to make sure I understand what you mean by it. You've referred to people with a capacity for pregnancy. Would that be women? Many women, cis women, have the capacity for pregnancy. Many cis women do not have the capacity for pregnancy. Um, There are also trans men who are capable of pregnancy, as well as non-binary people who are capable of pregnancy. So this isn't really a women's rights issue. We can recognize that this impacts women while also recognizing that it impacts other groups. Those things are not mutually exclusive, Senator Hawley. Oh, so your view is is that the core of this, this right then is about what? So um, I want to recognize that your line of questioning um, is transphobic, um, and it opens up trans people to violence by not recognizing that. Wow, you're saying that I'm opening up people to violence by asking whether or not women are the folks who can have pregnancies? So I'm one, I want to note that one out of five transgender uh, persons have attempted suicide. So I think it's important because of my line of questioning because we can't talk about it because denying that trans people exist and pretending not to know that they exist. I'm denying that trans people exist by asking you you if you're talking about women having pregnancies. Do you believe that uh, men can get pregnant? No, I don't think (laughs) so. You are denying that trans people exist. And that leads to violence. Is this how you run your classroom? Are students allowed to question you or are they also treated like this? No, no, no. They're they're told that they're opening up people to violence. We have a good time in my class. You should join. I bet. You might learn a lot. Wow. I I would learn a lot. I've learned a lot. I know. Absolutely. Extraordinary. All right. The guy's great. And uh, not many people would do what he just did, really. Take on a woke woman, especially as a white man and a woke woman of color. That's touchy. And very few people. I think that he's one of those guys who literally doesn't see color. And that's, well, it used to be a good thing. Used to be. Anyway, the fake news has been terrible to him. Uh, he went like this or something. Where's that picture? He, met, he They said that this was inciting a riot, okay, that he brought on January 6th by doing this to those who had concerns about what happened on the election. And this was inciting violence, according to them. Anyway, over the weekend, he's feeling like I'm feeling totally dismayed, a little bit kind of lost. And well, where do we go from here? 
This is what he put out. And I think it's an intriguing idea. The old party is dead. Time to bury it. Build something new. Again, if we can't, we can't pull it off the midterms with given the conditions we're in right now, we think alike. Two years ago, actually, after the election, uh, before Inauguration Day, this is my show, November 22nd, 2020, the MAGA party. How does that sound to you? I think it sounds great. We can get rid of all the rhinos and uh, talk about real issues that, I don't know, I think it's an interesting idea, and I hope uh, we'll have to follow up with Josh Hawley very, very soon. All right, got to talk about one more rhino. Uh, his name is Sununu. He is the governor of New Hampshire. And boy, oh boy, he's just, he's just happy to be here. Technically, he's a Republican, but he's one of these guys who's really out for himself. So Nancy Pelosi, the thing that happened at her house, we still don't have all the answers, of course. Um, let's see. It happened on a Friday. The next Sunday, the day after, he's on television. And talk about falling for it. I mean, talk about weakness. That was a self-contained issue. All right. Listen to his response. This is what he thought Republicans should do across the nation. Do you think uh, Republicans should... Uh tone down their Pelosi attack ads in this last week? Well, I don't think there's any need for that. No, I, I think, yeah. I, no, I don't think there's any need for the attack ads. And, and, and again, you know, right now, all our, our, our thoughts and prayers and sympathy have to go out to Nancy Pelosi, her entire family, her husband, of course. Um, and, and again, put, put all the politics aside. Ignore the elections. Wow. Ignore the election because Nancy Pelosi's husband something. What? Are you crazy? Take the ads off of television. This guy was assured of his own reelection and he didn't care about anything else. And now he's back on the fake news and he's gleeful and he's tickled and he stands for nothing other than himself. And he's having a great time and he seems to really love his job. I guess that's a good thing. I love being governor. Uh, look, with all due respect, the Senate's the B team compared to being a governor. I mean, it's just not even a question. Look, I get to be the CEO. I get to design systems. I get to implement policy. I get to challenge myself to in engage with constituents, find their problems, and, and fight those barriers. I'm an engineer. I want to design systems, create better solutions. Governors, mayors, those of us that are on the ground at the local level, which is why local politics, not Washington politics, local politics, local solutions really work best. I love being a part of that. Wow, huh? He loves that job. That's, uh, he's an engineer, and he's got to create all these solutions for the people. I don't think he's really doing any of that. His pin tweet, this is what his job is like. He made this video, not me, and it looks like he's on vacation all the time. Chester, Chide, Chester, Dorchester, Chesterfield, Manchester, Rochester, Winchester, Newfield, Chatham, Stratham, Grantham, Pinkham, Notch, Salem, Pelham, Wyndham, Sculpture, Rocks, Moultonboro, Tuftonboro, Peterboro, Kismanotch, Crawfordnotch, Bearnotch, Carternotch, Have a Scotch. Wow, huh? This is this is an engineer's job, and it goes on like this. He's bragging about uh, New Hampshire's a small state, right? Who cares that you? It goes on and on and on, and he's just having a gay old time, and uh, he's stabbing Republicans in the back and in the front. I've been everywhere. 
I've been to Freedom, Durham, Gorham, Littleton, Bedford, Concord, Spofford, Middleton, Scenic Train, Hampton Beach, Storyland, Polar Case, Flume Hikes, Auto Road, Super Six of Three Days, Alton, Dalton, Bennington, Golf Falls, Hampton Falls, Jackson Falls, Shorten Falls, what a ball! I've been everywhere, man. I've been everywhere, man. Cross the rivers there, man. I breathe the mountain air, man. I've traveled, I've had my share, man. I've been everywhere. I've been everywhere, man. I've been everywhere, man. Our country is in a total crisis. This is a Republican governor of a state, an American state, and he's having a blast. I don't take him seriously. Neither should you. His name is Sununu. Does that name sound familiar? His father was actually the governor of New Hampshire as well and also was uh, the chief of staff to George H.W. Bush until he was fired for exploiting government aircraft for his own personal use. I think the junior Sununu should refresh himself with that story. The same thing can and probably should happen to him. I'll be right back. Well, this is a very important book. It's called Our Broken Elections, How the Left Changed the Way You Vote. I've been talking to people all weekend long, and uh, it's by John Fun, by the way, national affairs reporter for National Review, Newsmax contributor, and yes, the author of this very important book. John, I uh, continue to be dismayed, totally adrift by what happened. Um, the mail-in component of this seems to me very, very suspect, but what do you think happened, and where are we right now? 30 years ago, less than 10% of Americans voted outside of Election Day. Uh, they voted outside of Election Day if they were sick uh, or out of town. Otherwise, we all gathered together in one place, one of the few times when people of all backgrounds and classes would come together in a civic ritual called voting. Now we have convenience voting. Over 60% of Americans vote outside Election Day. Now, early voting, which is voting in a supervised government office in advance of the election, you know, 10 days in advance. I can live with that. Mail-in voting, though, is fraught with peril. In 80 in percent of the cases in Arizona, people voted by mail. That's way too high. It leads to mass confusion, and it means election day turns into election month. And I think there are three practical reasons uh, why we have to change our laws. Congress has the power to override the states. I'm normally against that. But in this case, we have reached a crisis where mail-in voting has become the norm, not the exception. So, okay, we can uh, override it. Now, I hear some people saying, Congress can, theoretically, Republicans just need to get better at this stuff because it's not going to change. How do you feel about that argument? Yes, they do have to become better at this. And certainly uh, churches, especially evangelical churches, have been doing th the same thing now uh, that black churches were doing for a long time. All of that is true. I don't think either party should be allowed to use ballot harvesting. And in over 30 states, ballot harvesting, which is allowing political operatives to bundle together ballots and deliver them en masse, uh, should be allowed. Uh, there are too many problems with that. Uh, I do think, though, that Congress can do three things. They're very simple, and, and they do not intrude very much on state authority. First, in our Constitution and in our laws, we say there's an election day. Election day should be election day. 
Two, no ballot should be cast more than 14 days uh, before the election. Uh, three, all ballots should be counted 48 hours after the election. Certainly received, and in ex except for extraordinary circumstances like provisional ballots or, you know, there's a hurricane that has destroyed some records. Yeah. Uh, basically, we should have election day and a very short period of time before we know what the votes are. Well, regarding ballot harvesting, I learned something from you that is absolutely stunning to me about the state of Nevada. And when we come back, uh, I think, folks, you're going to be shocked by what John has to say. We'll be right back with that. All right, Nevada, you know the results, but do you know <laughs> how you can vote in Arizona and how you can get registered in Arizona? You can put it in the hands of a political operative in one case, but not in the other. It's totally wild. John, you know, we throw around that term ballot harvesting. I'm not sure everybody knows what it means, but can you tell us a little bit about how this all works in Nevada? Sure. My co-author Hans von Spakowski and I uncovered the fact that Using COVID as an excuse, the Democratic governor and the Democratic legislature in 2020 temporarily set aside all of the election laws of the state and said, OK, everybody can vote by mail. And not only that, we're going to mail a ballot to everyone on the voter registration list, which is notoriously inaccurate. Uh, the Pew Research Center says 20 percent nationwide of voter registrations are inaccurate and you can vote. And I was in Nevada and I saw piles of ballots on apartment uh, lobby desks and tables just sitting there. Anybody could pick it up. A ballot is like a grenade. If you pull the plug and sign it, uh, it can set off an explosion. And in 2021, they made that temporary situation permanent. Now, the Secretary of State in Nevada begged them to make certain changes to mean the, the mail-in ballots would be somewhat secure. She said, look, when you register someone to vote in a shopping center in Nevada. You have to first go to the Secretary of State. You have to register yourself. You have to give them your name, your address. They have to know where to find you if there's a problem with your registrations. They, she said, but that none of that is happening with ballot harvesting, which is where paid political operatives can go around, collect ballots, and turn them in. In Nevada, even though you need to notify the Secretary of State if you're registering voters, if you're collecting votes and delivering them, they don't even have to know who you are. They don't need to know your name. You never have to register. It is an open and engraved invitation to mischief. And given human nature, I'm sure there was some. I don't know how much. It's impossible to prove because we can't track these people down. Wow. All right. Now, Jimmy Carter, 17 years ago, you're familiar with his work in the commission. But I want to play you this moment that's been overlooked. Take a look, please. Anybody who's tempted at the beginning to do something fraudulent will know that one or two percent of all the voting places in the state will be arbitrarily selected and the paper ballot and the electronic ballot compared. This would go a long way to deter any kind of uh, temptation to fraud. One to two percent of the voting stations would be audited. Is that happening nationwide? No, <laughs> uh, it is happening in some places. In fact, in Phoenix, Arizona, after the 2020 election, they did conduct an audit, and they found a lot of administrative problems. Obviously, those were not addressed because Maricopa County, Phoenix, had a whole bunch of uh, administrative problems this past election. Jimmy Carter 
And James Baker, uh, Ronald Reagan's Secretary of State, agreed that voter fraud is an important problem. It needs safeguards. We need to make it easy to vote, but also hard to cheat at the same time. And in fact, Congress passed a 2002 law called the Help America Vote Act designed to do just that. Now it's become completely partisan, and the media is in complete denial that voter fraud ever exists. It is scary. It really is. But we're in God's hands, and we got to work hard. But I, wow. John Fund, I'm so glad you're out there and your book is out there. Let's put it up on the screen, please. Uh, this is really required reading, especially going forward. In 30 states, we have improved the ballot access laws and the voter safeguard laws. And so there is progress. But some states are lagging, like Nevada, Pennsylvania, Michigan. Yeah. Those are going to continue to be problem states. Thank you, John. Thank you very much. And we'll be right back. All I can say is that the fake news just doesn't get it, do they? they don't I have to update this thing. I'm going to update it. I wanted to say the fake news are the enemy of the people because that is true. It is true now more than ever. As much as that made me smile, it's gotten more serious. So I'm going to see about updating that. Uh, the enemy of the people, he's not wrong. Absolutely not. They lie continuously, and there's no accountability. And here we are, here we are, a week after the midterm, so glum. They're pretty happy, though, as they insist on lying and saying things that they can't back up. When you're looking at the number of election deniers, I know you guys have had this conversation. You have the likes of, uh, you know, of Michigan, Wisconsin, Lee Zeldin, these election deniers that have all gone down. The only person who is representing a state that Joe Biden won uh, and still has a shot to win the governorship, that is Carrie Lake. Uh, we're hearing some disappointing news out of Arizona, but it's not definitive, and we'll see what happens next. But uh, this guy might as well have been paid by the Democrats. The nature of his coverage, everything he did was to undermine Carrie Lake. Unbel He's from NBC News, a network. So, um, and he wasn't alone. Think about the big lie. Trump endorsed election deniers. We all know what this is about. We have seen it for ourselves. This is about... The big lie, the big lie, the big lie and the big liar. The enormous, gigantic big lie. The insurrection spawned by the big lie. Individuals who promote the big lie, election deniers. And you've seen it a million times lie. and it gets big very, very tedious as they speak with no evidence, by the way. No evidence. I have a couple of, uh, I think, some phrases for them. They want to call me an election denier. How about this? I think it works. You are all election fraud denialists. Denialist. I like that. I like that. That denialist. It sounds election fraud denialist. Also, you're all Russian hoax collusionists or Russia hoax collusionists. I like that. I like it a lot. Russia hoax collusionists because they were in collusion with Democrats and the FBI and the rest of them and totally works better than journalists. Right. They certainly don't deserve that to be continued. Thank you for your support.